0: Welcome to season two of the Connect FCS Ed Podcast. Each episode is geared towards recruiting, supporting, and retaining past, current, and future professional family and consumer sciences educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast. Today, we are gonna be continuing our series on FCCLA. How in the world do we incorporate it into our classrooms? And with me today, I have Christine Hollingsworth who is the national FCCLA staff member when it comes to Senior Competitive Events Manager. Christine has been a classroom FCS teacher as well as the Missouri State FCCLA advisor. So thank you, Christine, for taking the time and joining us.
1: Well, I am really excited to be part of this podcast. I think this is a great opportunity for advisors and teachers to learn more about FCCLA and what it can do in their classroom. So thank you.
0: Yes. No, thank you. This is wonderful. I, not only am I gaining a lot of knowledge and information on how to be a better advisor. I know there are a lot of other people out there who are kind of in the same boat as myself going, oh my gosh, kind of that deer in the headlights. This is really overwhelming and daunting. So I think this is really, this is an important conversation that we're having. So thank you for taking that time.
1: Well, you are very welcome.
0: Before we get into it, I would like to know, you were a FCS classroom teacher. How did you get bought in to FCCLA?
1: Sure. Well, I think it was seeing fellow family consumer sciences teachers and what they were doing with their students. And I thought I could do that with my students too. And so um, I taught at a very small school and I started small. I started with just one group of students and kind of nurtured them along and, and found that. In my experience, uh, success bred some more success. One core group of students got excited about not just FCCLA, but about competing. Then I had other students who said, well, how do I do that? And so then we got the ball rolling, so to speak, and got more students interested in doing competitive events as well as just becoming an FCCLA member.
0: Oh, I love that. It's kind of been the ongoing theme when it comes to the, all of the amazing advisors that I've already spoken with. Start small. <laughs> That's been the ongoing theme.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I like to, to think about FCCLA as kind of a menu at a restaurant. And no one in their right mind is going to go in and say, I think for dinner, I'd like one of everything to start off with. And instead, you're like, I'm going to try this this time, and maybe when I come back next week, I'm going to try another entree, and I'm going to see what I like. And it's kind of the same thing with FCCLA. You you look at national programs, you look at um, competitive events, and you say, what do we like? What works with our program? What works with I, with what I teach in the classroom? And then we those are the things we go back and forth to all the time. Instead of trying to Stuff our program and stuff ourselves with everything that is available because uh, family consumer sciences is such a broad content area that there are many opportunities for students, and rightly so, but not every opportunity is for everyone. So sometimes you have to think about it that way as well.
0: Uh, yes, the, all of the modifications and diversifications that we get to do, I think that is key right there. So When it comes to competitive events, what are STAR events?
1: Sure, okay. Well, let's take a step back. There are four types of competitive events that FCCLA offers at the national level. And when I speak about these events, this is from a national perspective. Some states have different opportunities for students that they have different types of competitions. So everything I speak about today will be about what's offered on the national level. And so the four types of events that we have We have um, the FCCLA Life Smarts Knowledge Bowl. So that's one type of competitive event. We have the Knowledge Matters Virtual Business Challenge Simulations. That's the second type. Uh, We have also what's called skill demonstration events, which only take place as part of National Fall Conference um, opportunities. And then the one you just mentioned, the one that's been around for, believe it or not, 30, more than 30 years now is Star Events. And Star Events, um, those are a suite of 34 different uh, individual or team events uh, encompassing just about every content area that Family and Consumer Sciences has.
0: All right. Well, I think that's fascinating. And thank you for taking us a step back and kind of outlining what the four areas are. Four years ago, when, when I was transitioning uh, my family and I over to Eastern Washington and moving, I was going, I was finishing up my CTE block two program and as a, an assignment, we had to research in a competitive event when it comes to the assignment. I don't really recall what exactly it was, but I focused in on the knowledge bowl. So mm-hmm. I have kind of. An an basic understanding of Knowledge Bowl, but when it comes to the other areas, I'm oh, I'm a novice. Let's say
1: (laughs) that's okay. And Knowledge Bowl is a great competition. We run that with the National Consumers League Life Smarts program, so it is something that if if chapters are interested in doing that particular competition, they can kind of double dip. They can compete with Life Smarts and they can compete with FCCLA. So. That's kind of nice to be able to do one activity and get multiple benefits from it for your students.
0: Oh, that is that is great. No, thank you for sharing that, because as somebody who co-chairs FCCLA, I'm really I'm not well versed in any of any of these areas. So I, I'm grateful for um, my, my lead who is our FCCLA guru in my building. I'm grateful for her because she does an amazing job when it comes to our school and our state.
1: Well, I think one of the best things about not just competitive events, but FCCLA activities and overall is that we do encourage students to take leadership in this so that it doesn't all fall on the shoulders of the advisor. The advisor is the one who sometimes introduces it to students, but now that students can see things across the country in virtual ways, they're actually maybe bringing this up to an advisor saying, hey, did you know we have, you know, skill demonstration events? Did you know we have knowledgeable where teachers may not have had the opportunity to have experience with those? But students see them, and then they can kind of start taking the lead in researching what are they about, um, what are the requirements, and then, um, you know, really leading their own chapter into those areas.
0: Okay. So when it comes to star events, is that the menu that you you referred to being, you wouldn't go to a restaurant and order one of everything?
1: Right. And there are 34 different star events. So as a classroom teacher, that's going to be extremely challenging for one individual to, man- to manage not only a potential 34 different events, but there are different levels for each event based on the age group that, you, that is in your classroom. And so with that, that is really a good time to put those students in charge of, you know, this is your event. I'll help answer questions and help get you started and help kind of help, help you come up with ways to keep accountable, to stay on track, but it really is your events. And one thing that FCCLA has done in the last couple of years is to establish what we call the student portal, where every student member has a login. They can log in and they can get these materials for themselves. They don't always have to go through their chapter advisor Um, kind of say, hey, I need those job interview guidelines. Hey, I need this. And the advisors maybe busy and says, I'll get it to you later. And, and, you know, things come up. So now we've got this opportunity for students to log in, get those materials themselves, start that research process, start that, um, you know, they can look at it. Some of these guidelines maybe have language that they're not used to as far as terminology, And so that's a good time for them to read through those guidelines and say, what does this mean to their chapter advisor? And then the advisor can kind of assist them with that. And then the nice part also is that there's a big uh, group of individuals that serve as really good resources for competitive events. And not only national staff can answer some of these questions, but state advisors can answer questions about what does this mean? What does it look like? And there are many chapter advisors who are usually very willing to help each other to at least say, this is what this might look like in your school or, or here's an example of what I have done.
0: Okay. Well, I guess that kind of leads me into the, and a new question being, is there a better event to start out with if you're brand new? <laughs>
1: sure, sure. It really depends on what you're teaching. If you are teaching in what I would call a comprehensive program and you've got, you know, six preps a day and you've got a different content area for each prep, then you might want to look at an event that is more encompassing of many things. Um, you could look at an event like career investigation where students do just what that event title says. They, they research uh, possible careers, things that are of interest to them. Um, you might have students that are a little farther along that career path who are ready for that job interview star event. Um, you might have a student, um, maybe you've got a group in your, in your program that is working on a national program. So they're gonna wanna turn that national program project into national uh, programs in action star event. So really it kind of depends on what you've got going on in your school. If you are a teacher who has maybe a more specialized curriculum, Maybe you teach food and nutrition all day long, and that's that's your niche, that's your area. Well, then you're gonna look at events that maybe align more so to your curriculum. So you're gonna look at food innovations, you're gonna look at nutrition and wellness, you're gonna look at sports nutrition as events. So that's kind of a long-winded way to say it, it again, tailor it to what you do in your classroom and what your students are interested in.
0: Yes. Well, I I love that because I, I teach interior design in my school. And honestly, every year that I have taught this, every single trimester, I have done a different end of the trimester project. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about going back and going into the portal to look at the rubrics for interior design and seeing how I can tailor a project for my interior design students to create as an FCCLA project without them knowing that they're doing an FCCLA project. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. When you, all of the observant guidelines and the rubrics, they can be adjusted or modified to meet what you're doing in your classroom. The only key with that is when you make those modifications, remember, if you do take a really great project as a competition piece, you may have to change it up a little bit to meet those competition guidelines again. But um, when you mention that you teach interior design, one thing that I think everybody thinks about is, oh, great, then I'll do the Interior Design STAR event. That's excellent, but there's only limited opportunities probably for students to actually then go out of your classroom and to compete at the, at the district or regional or state level. And then, you know, at the, the funnel gets smaller as you go up to the, to the higher levels of competition. So one thing I do always encourage teachers to do is to look at other events that maybe they don't have the word interior design in them, but it's something that your students are still going to be interested in. So they might want to do entrepreneurship where they, just, where they come up with a business plan for their own interior design company. You know, they might want to do professional presentation where they're going to really hone those skills on presenting a topic, and maybe you know it can be a topic that you've chosen as part of a classroom assignment. It can be a topic that they're passionate about. You know, maybe they're passionate about um, homes for veterans or something like that, or uh, housing for the homeless, things like that. So they can certainly look at topics and then develop a project on on a in a star event that's not necessarily. And I'm using my quote fingers here, interior design. (laughs) So, so that's something I do always recommend people to do. And that does take a little bit of of research to, um, to kind of look at the events and see what they're, what they are about, but to look at more than just the title.
0: Well, I'll be sure to look at each of those categories with a little bit more of a broad stroke and, Just kind of hone in going into my second trimester with my students. So thank you for that suggestion. You're welcome. So what should I as an advisor being, even though I'm a Mm co-chair, but if I ever take on the lead advisor role, what should I expect during the actual competition part for events?
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I would say. In the starvent guidelines, we've tried to do a pretty good job over the last several years about lining out exactly, here's what happens and how long it takes. So in general, a, a general starvent students are going to show up at a certain time, they're gonna turn in a portfolio, they're gonna set up a display, they're gonna start their presentation, they're gonna do maybe a three minute introduction, they're gonna do a five minute oral presentation, they're gonna have time, for evaluators to not only listen and score, but then ask them questions. All of those things are actually written in the guidelines. So so you can go through the guidelines and kind of get that broad overview of what's going to happen. Um, But I will have to say one of the best ways to actually know what's going to happen in a STAR event is to volunteer in a STAR event (laughs) as an advisor. um, Is to, if you have an opportunity at your, again, regional district, state or national level, to volunteer, then take it, because you're not only going to learn more about that one particular event that you're assisting with, but you're gonna see projects from all over and how students took maybe the same topic and approached it very differently. And that is a really interesting thing as a as a classroom teacher to see that as well. So I might think my first thing is to, how do you know what you're going to expect? Read the guidelines, they're gonna help you with that. And two is, take the opportunity to go watch and volunteer and you're going to learn a lot
0: that way as well. So side note on that, what if in your school or your district, they don't have FCCLA and you have a brand new teacher? Because I'm thinking about a friend of mine who she is a brand new FCS teacher her district is now requiring her to do FCCLA for as a CTSO which i'm i'm all in support but she is completely lost when it comes to well how do i how do i reach out to find out where i can volunteer to see these things
1: sure i think at this at the individual state level so we're in washington so contacting that washington state advisor and asking them for their for assistance to know where those opportunities happen. Sometimes they're, again, every state does things a little bit differently. Some have multiple layers of competition. And so there are many opportunities. Other times it's like, no, we're gonna compete once then go to state. And so it kind of just depends. So that's why I always say, ask the state advisor for some guidance in that. And and usually they can also help uh, pair you up with someone else, maybe in your local area, who is more experienced with FCCLA. And so that's, again, I, I just can't emphasize enough the value of the state advisor in this. And then in the last, um, last probably last 10 years, we've started doing um, online star events for FCCLA, a little bit different than what we did with pandemic with virtual star events. But um, if you really want to see what an, a chapter does, we have a virtual online event called FCCLA chapter website. We always need volunteers to judge that, and so what a great opportunity um, to be able to get on your computer, go to these websites, use the criteria, and then you really get to see what all these chapters are doing, so that's a great opportunity for especially someone who is who's pretty overwhelmed and doesn't understand how all the pieces fit together quite yet.
0: Uh, yes, and thank you for talking about this online version because this is the first I've heard of that. So that is, that I think is amazing information that we have just shared with our, <laughs> with our public. So that's wonderful. Um, thank you. And I'll, I'll be sure to connect with my state advisor along with any other state advisors who... For the audience who is who are listening and, and trying to figure out how to do things, go to your state advisor. Your state advisor is going to be your best friend. They really are. And for me here in Washington, I'm just so grateful for Michelle Spencer is our FCS state advisor, along with uh, Kathy Hahn for FCCLA, who is just a wealth of information. So amazing people. How about how can you help your competitive, competitive events participants go for gold?
1: All right. So nothing comes easy in life or in <laughs>
0: competitive events.
1: <laughs> and you, um, you do need to work with students to develop a plan on how they're going to approach their star event and how they're going to be successful with their star event. And a great tool to use, and it's actually in, in I think, every single star event that we have Um, is the FCCLA planning process. So work with students on their planning process, help them see that they do have to plan for success with this and and then probably anytime anyone talks about how to be successful with star events, it's practice, practice, practice. And um, every once in a while you'll have somebody who can pull something together at the last minute and they do all right, but it's those students who've really read the guidelines and they know what's required of them, and they've practiced it, and they present it in front of people who aren't their chapter advisor. Um, Those are the ones who, I think, tend to do the best when it comes to being compared with other other projects and other presentations.
0: No, well, reading those rubrics and the guidelines, as you said, that's key. But then if we come into motivation... Oh my gosh. That is probably right now here in my school, we're coming up at the end of the trimester. And for, I want to say for the, this last week, all of a sudden, all of my students have just kicked their booties into high gear and they're getting all of their stuff turned in Mm -hmm. because I, I don't have a late work penalty because for me personally, I just want to see them meet and reach and uh, exceed standards. We'll, we'll discuss at a later date, uh, the time management portion, but I'm just trying to train my students how to be students again at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: when it comes to that motivation piece, how do we as advisors, how do we continue pushing them Sure. Without pulling them across or dragging them across the, that finish line.
1: Yeah. I, I think something you said, how do we do this without pushing or pulling? And part of that is the student buy-in and the student um, involvement in choosing their projects that make, uh, that are, that they're passionate about, that interest them. You know, it's one thing to be told here, I want you to give a presentation on this. And the students, oh, yeah, I can do it, but you know, it's, It doesn't maybe get me too excited about doing it, but I'll do it. But then if you have them really think about, especially let's say with an event like chapter service project, and you've got some students who are really excited about whatever topic they've come up with that they feel they're really making a difference with that. You've got a whole new level of motivation than you have with students who are doing it only as an assignment, let's say. So with that, (laughs) that's a good way to start that motivation is to really have the student buy-in and the student involvement in the selection of what they'd like to do. But even the best student sometimes gets a little, you know, I don't want to say lazy, but they just get, they lose motivation sometimes. And so figuring out what does work, and sometimes the advisor is the cheerleader and they are the ones that say, hey, I know you can do this, you know, just, you're just going to have to you're just going to have to uh, you know, spend five extra minutes a day on this. You know, we're going to be able to do it. Show me what you've got by Friday. I mean, so sometimes that is something that the advisor will need to do is be that cheerleader for that student, because some students lack the confidence at this point to really believe that what they do is good work. And, and it, it is good work. It is. It may not be as polished as you, as the teacher would like. But that's the learning opportunity for those students to figure that out. And even if they go to competition, you know, I remember taking students to a competition and, and they left. They said, We should have practiced more. Oh, they were a little more motivated next time. And um, something else I think that motivates students is opportunities to travel, opportunities to get out of their school to go to a district conference, to go to a state conference, um, and then go to national conference. That's a big motivator for a lot of students.
0: That is, well, I I'm motivated by travel so if if anybody (laughs) says like oh you could travel I'm like okay sign me up (laughs) so which then leads me into like my last question which is how are how scoring and awards done at that national level because it looks completely different than at the state or our regional levels
1: sure because I have experience at the chapter level the state level the national level I can tell you that it, it is a little different, but there is something that is the same all the way through. And those are the guidelines in the rubric. So the rubrics don't change. What's expected of the students doesn't change from the regional competition to the state competition to the national competition. Those guidelines, if it calls for four items, it's four items all the way through. So that part doesn't change. The way the events may be, how they look, as far as if you've got five people in a room competing at the same time, or you're by yourself in a room competing at the same time, or if you're in a ballroom at national conference where there's 40 people competing at the same time in a large ballroom, that's what looks different. Not necessarily what the actual event criteria is or how the scoring is done. That's the same anyway, and it should be the same at any of the level. One of the things that makes FCCLA, I think, a little more unique is the way that we choose evaluation teams for competitive events. Our ideal team would be um, having one student leader being a member of that evaluation team. For that student perspective, a chapter advisor is the content expert, so that they, they're the ones who best know family consumer sciences, so that person. And then the third person is a business and industry person. So whether that individual is human resources, whether they're in culinary field or interior design field, they're the ones who can bring in that that business and industry perspective and knowledge of what's happening right now in that career field. And so that's really our ideal scoring and evaluation team is having those three perspectives and
0: voices. Oh, well. This has been a fantastic conversation. Can we do a quick summary when it comes to this wealth of information that you just shared with us? What are the five key takeaways when it comes to competitive events for new advisors?
1: Okay, I think one is to get the resources and you as an advisor can get all of the competitive event resources from the FCCLA portal. And so that's, that's one. Another one is to make those connections at your state level. We have already talked about using your state advisor, area family, consumer sciences teachers. You know, find that your community, find your FCCLA community in your state. That's, I think, a huge, huge thing for advisors, because sometimes you are the only one in your school if you're the only family consumer sciences teacher. And you need that network of individuals to to bounce ideas with. Let's see, I think the third one is going to be to, as best as you can, integrate this into your family consumer sciences curriculum, into your classroom, so that it is part of just what you do. And it's not something that students will look at it and say, well, why are we doing this? Because it's part of the family consumer sciences curriculum, It's part of what we do in our program. Be number four is to let students know of the many opportunities that are available to them. So uh, not only with the different events, but we didn't talk about that. We have some very significant scholarships available
0: to students.
1: And so the best really way to look at what's all available is to go to the FCCLA national website. There is a whole section about competitive events, scholarships, and then also some states have additional scholarships for students. So that, that I think that brings us to number four. So maybe the, the number five takeaway is that your students can do this and you as a chapter advisor, you can do this. It is a start small, build success, and sometimes just jump in and just do it.
0: I love that. Get the resources make those connections, integrate into our curriculum, share the many opportunities and be that cheerleader, be that motivator for your students. Start small, build success. I think that's perfect right there.
1: It is. It's an exciting thing. Competitive events, those are some of the, the most excitement, excited students, even if they don't get first place. The student who says, I can't believe I actually did it. That's that's a really successful student in my opinion who did something they didn't think they
0: could. Just like what you said, start small, build that success and your students will, they will be successful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us for this important conversation as we continue this series on FCCLA and incorporating it into your school, your classrooms, in taking your students to the next level. So thank you again, and we're better together. So let's continue leading our students' success with FCS. Barbara Scully from the Connect FCS Ed podcast presents a fresh take on recruitment and support for today's modern home economics educators in the Family and Consumer Sciences FCS Classroom sharing insightful stories, strategies, and resources in a fun and sustainable and practical way. Each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. From community engagement, leadership, classroom management, to lessons and more, each episode brings a different perspective, offering expert professional development, interviews from a collaborative worldwide FCS community, with the hope that it will inspire and empower you to make informed decisions. Together, we are better at leading the way to student success with FCS.